Welcome to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. At Village, we seek to be shaped by the life of Christ, to practice authentic friendship, and serve the world. You're invited to join us at either our Mission Campus or our Antioch Campus. For now, we hope you hear a word for your own life in this sermon. Friends, would you pray with me, please? Let's pray together. So, God, draw our hearts to you. Help us to see you more clearly. Help us to know that it is you, O God, who is reaching out to us and showing us your own self, and help us to respond. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray. All God's people say, amen. Friends, the scripture reading comes to us from this is the Gospel of John. It's the 20th chapter, the 24th through the 29th verses. Let me set this up just briefly for you. So this is the resurrection story in John's Gospel. It's different, drastically different from Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, In John's Gospel, um, Mary Magdalene goes by herself to see Jesus in the tomb to anoint his body discovers that he is not there, and Jesus himself appears to Mary Magdalene as she's leaving. Then she goes back and tells whom? Whom? She tells the disciples. Very good. Um, That night, and, and they apparently do nothing, that night in a locked room, because the disciples are afraid of the other religious leaders, because they're the ones who just crucified Jesus, and they're associating themselves with him, so they're afraid of this, Jesus appears in that locked room. There's a mystery around that. And apparently he shows them his hands and his side, right, to prove that he is the risen Messiah. He is the risen Christ. Thomas is not in the room that night. So this is where a story picks up. But Thomas, who is called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then Jesus said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Friends, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand. For how long? How long? Say it again. How long? The word of our God shall stand forever. Thanks be to God. All right, so we have this great story, right? Only in John's gospel. This Thomas story only appears in John's gospel. Nothing in Matthew, Mark, or Luke. Um, So John is absent from the room when Jesus appears that resurrection Sunday night. The disciples say, we just saw him. He was just here. Thomas says what? I don't believe you. And I won't believe you until what? 
Exactly, right? So a week later, apparently the disciples are still in the same locked room. This is how scared they are. And Thomas now is with them. Jesus appears, mystery, in the locked room somehow. And he goes to Thomas and says, look, here are my hands, here's my side. And then he says to Thomas, do not doubt, but believe. And for the rest of Thomas's existence, even till now, that's why we call him I think that's unfair. Because the truth is, it should be doubting disciples. Because apparently, when Jesus appeared to them in the room on that Easter Sunday night, they also didn't believe until he showed him his hands and his side. Thomas just wasn't with him at the time. But listen to what Thomas says after he sees Jesus and touches the wounds of his hands and his side. Thomas says, my Lord and my, my Lord and my God. Doubting Thomas is the only person in all of the Gospels who makes this extraordinary faith claim. Scholars of the New Testament say this statement is the single most significant faith claim in all of the Gospels. And Thomas is the one who says it. My Lord and my he is the only one to put Jesus with God together. He's the only one to acknowledge that, oh my goodness, you are God of the universe incarnate in Jesus my Lord, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus says back to Thomas, do you say that because you have seen me? Listen to this. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have come to believe. It's been nearly 2,000 years since Jesus of Nazareth actually walked in person on the face of the earth. There is no way that we can actually see him. But guess whom Jesus is talking about here. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. He's talking about us. He's talking about us. Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have come to believe. By golly, look around. We're here. We are the ones whom Jesus was saying blessed Okay, so here's my idea. We're exploring this idea of sensing faith, right? Sensing faith. Faith comes to us through a variety of ways, through our senses. Last Sunday, we talked about tasting faith. This Sunday, we're talking about seeing faith. And Linnell is helping us to see faith. By the way, this is kind of fun because sometimes you're watching me and sometimes you're watching Linnell create amazing things. It's a little unnerving for an ego in the pulpit, right? <laughs> but it's really kind of cool, okay? Um, and those of you who are ADHD, you're loving this whole interaction, right? You're just having a great time, right? Um, I think Jesus is still revealing himself to us in these days. I think God is still helping us to see faith. Your job, my job, is to be so attentive that we recognize when Jesus is revealing himself, when God is making himself known. 
I think there are situations happening all the time. We just have to recognize them to see faith. So this happened this past Tuesday in Waco, Texas. This was the Southwest Regional Finals for the Little League there, Little League region in Southwest. Some of you heard about this already. You're nodding your heads, right? The Southwest Regional Finals ended up between two teams. The Texas East team is from Pearland, Texas. The Oklahoma team is from Tulsa. They're trying to win the Southwest Regional to get to Williamsport, Pennsylvania this next week and play in the Little League World Series. Third inning, Caden Shelton is on the mound and he's pitching. He is a good pitcher. Little League, these are 12-year-old boys. He is pitching to Isaiah Jarvis, nicknamed Zay. They call him Zay Jarvis. Caden throws a curveball that doesn't end up curving, and it hits Zay Jarvis on the batting helmet, thank you, but just below the ear, pops the helmet off, and Zay Jarvis crumples and goes down. It is scary to watch and see. Watch this. Oh, look out. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. Tough kid right there. So this is really cool because as a pitcher, Bubs looks shaken up right now because of what he did. And look at Zay Jarvis. This is such great sportsmanship. He wants him to know that it's okay, that he'll be fine. Hey, Bob. Look at me. Look at me. You're all right. Amazing. You're all right. Look at me. Hey, look, look. You can do it. What a stud right there. Zay Jarvis. So Zay Jarvis is on first base. He gets up. Meds look at him, no concussion signs. He goes to first base. He is standing there. And Caden Shelton is weeping on the mound. He is crying because of what he just did by accident to Zay Jarvis. And if you caught the clip, Zay Jarvis is yelling at Caden Shelton and saying, hey, it's okay, it's okay. But Caden doesn't hear him because he's crying so hard. So Zay Jarvis leaves first base and walks to the mound and he wraps his arms around the pitcher, around Caden Shelton. And he's talking to him and he says things like, I'm okay, it's okay, you're good, don't worry. So this goes viral every major news source in the world starts talking to Zay Jarvis and Caden Shelton and Zay's coach. His name is Sean Copeland. One of the interviewers that I saw asked Coach Copeland 
Did you know what Zay was going to do when he left first base? And Coach Copeland said, no, but I knew it was going to be kind. He said, no, but I knew it was going to be kind because that's the kind of kid that Zay Jarvis is. He goes up and wraps his arms around Caden Shelton, says it's going to be okay, and then the rest of Caden's team comes and his coach comes. CNN interviewed Zay Jarvis afterwards and says, why did you do that? And Zay Jarvis said, I just think it's important to share God's love whenever you can. I just think it's important to share God's love whenever you can. Coach Copeland said, you know, I think it's kind of cool. There's so much division in our country. There's so much hate right now in the world. I think it's kind of cool that two 12-year-old boys show us what really matters. That two 12-year-old boys show us how we really are supposed to act toward one another. Two 12-year-old boys seeing faith. Jesus is showing himself all the time. God is revealing herself to us all the time. Your job, my job, is to be attentive and say, oh my goodness, oh Lord, thank you. You are showing us faith yet once again. So my own experience with 12-year-olds. Fresh out of college in Seattle, I got a job teaching English and social studies at Curtis Junior High School. I taught 7th, 8th, and 9th graders English and social studies. I really do believe this. I really, truly do. When God is at her most energetic and creative best, 7th graders are the result. I really do believe that. Honestly, I do. I do, I do. So I was teaching 7th grade English and social studies. My second year teaching, our school district decided to do a special needs mainstreaming program, a new thing for us. We were going to mainstream special needs kids into the regular classroom. Right away, I'll tell you, I don't like that term special needs on particular kids because if we're honest, all of us have? Thank you. But still, I get it, right? So I get my class list, and I only have one quote-unquote special needs kid. His name is Travis. I met him and his mom the day before school started. All those kids came. We walked them through classes. Our buildings were complex and large. It's a big junior high school. We had nine different buildings all connected by walkways. It is complex and confusing, right? Teachers get lost, let alone first-year students, let alone Travis. Travis was this tall, had brown hair, blue eyes, a great set of braces. He was born with Down syndrome which means he has this amazing, amazing heart. Every person that I've met with Down syndrome just loves people. I think that's who God is. I think God shows us God's self through persons with Down syndrome. Travis was no different. He, loved, he hugged me the first time he met me. He was not stupid, but he had some cognitive struggles. On the first day of school, unfortunately, he made his way through the 900 building. Not his fault. He didn't realize those are the ninth grade lockers. One of the ninth graders saw this kid, a special needs kid, tripped him. And I'd given Travis a map 
to get him from first to second period, second period to third period, my classes. I had him for third and fourth, and then to go for lunch, and then fifth and sixth and seventh periods. On that first day, he fell, sprawled out, lost his books and notebook, and some other kids stepped on his copy of, the map was gone. He comes into my class, third period, about 15 minutes late, he is clearly frustrated. Travis is not stupid. He has some challenges, but he understands what's going on. And he came in and said, Mr. Miss, I'm sorry, I'm sorry I'm late, Mr. Shoka. I'm sorry, uh, some kid this morning, and I, I lost my map. I'm so, Travis, I'm so glad you're here. Here's your seat, like we said yesterday, have a seat. He had really, really tough times starting off with us at Curtis Junior High School. I discovered later he hated lunch most of all. Lunch for us was in between the middle of fourth period. I was teaching social studies. I taught for 20 minutes, then lunch came, and I taught for the rest of the period after lunch. That's how crowded our school was. Um, Travis would go to lunch, and he would sit at empty seat at the table, and he would sit at that table, and the rest of the table would do what? They would get up and leave. He knew he was being insulted. He didn't like that. Or he would see an open seat, and he would go for that seat, and just before he would try to sit down, the person to the left would scoot over and take that seat. And he would see that seat open, so he would go for that one, and the person to the left would do this until they are shifting one seat ahead of him, and he is moving around the table trying to get to a seat, and the whole lunchroom is doing what? They're laughing at him. He is not stupid. He knew he was being made fun of. So he would go and sit in the corner of the lunchroom on the floor and eat his lunch there. He came to my classroom after about three and a half weeks of school, having a hard time. End of the day, he stood in front of my desk, and he said, Mr. Njoka, and I said, hi, Travis, good to see you. I, I have a question. Is it about English or social studies? No, no, it's important. Travis, um, <laughs> what's your question? Mr. Njoka, I, 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 how do you get a friend at the school? I said, oh, Travis. Mr. Shoka, last year at my old school, all of them were my friends. I, I'm a good friend. I have lots of friends. But this school, I can't find a friend. How, how do you get a friend here? And I said, oh, uh, actually, Travis, I know it's hard. I'll, Travis, I'll be your friend. I'll never forget his look. I'll be your friend, Travis. <laughs> Mr. Shoka, you, you can't be my friend. Why can't I be your friend? Mr. Shoka, you're, you're a teacher. Teachers make lousy friends. <laughs> Turned around, walked out of my classroom. About three weeks later, I got a transfer student in my third and fourth period uh, from Santa Barbara, California. Um, he was 12 years old, had not been held back a grade. 12 years old, like Travis. Um, he was six feet two, my height, blonde hair, blue eyes, had a set of braces like Travis. He was an athlete, walked into my classroom with this confident stride, his name was Bernie Johnson. Bernie tried out for the football team. This is October. Our season is three-quarters of the way through. He ousted a ninth grader on starting defense, right? This got him a seat during lunch at the ninth-grade jock table. We had a ninth-grade jock table, an eighth-grade jock table, and a seventh-grade jock table. We had a ninth-grade jockette table, eighth-grade jockette table. We had a band table. We had a choir table. We had a nerd table. We had an Asian table. It said all these tables, right? Um, it earned him a seat at the ninth grade jock table. Everybody knew who Bernie Johnson was, this cool, handsome kid, athlete from Southern California. He'd been in my classroom for about five days. I'd seen him talk to Travis, like they would sit next to each other, I'd give him an assignment, they would do things together, that's fine, but nothing else, nothing extraordinary. 
He goes to lunch after about a week and a half. Bernie Johnson sits at the ninth grade jock table, has an open seat next to him. He looks around and he sees Travis, who is sitting where? In the corner? On the floor. Bernie Johnson across Curtis Junior High School's lunchroom. Travis! Travis. Bernie Johnson. Yo, man, Travis! Seat here, sit here. Travis picks up his stuff, goes over, sits down. Everybody is talking about this. Women who have served the same food for 40 years in that lunchroom are talking about this, right? <laughs> have you seen the cool kid, that cool kid from California? Yeah, and he got that kid that said, and, and ninth grade doctor, have you seen this? Yeah, everyone's talking. Travis always waits until Bernie comes first and sits down. Then he goes and sits. Bernie says, this is your permanent seat. After a while, they become like an old married couple. <laughs> Bernie sits to Travis, you have Oreos. Travis goes, yeah, and they take them apart and they trade cookies, right? They dip them in milk. He opens the milk carton all the way so they can dip the cookies in. Bernie reaches over and says, Travis, you're drooling, dude, stop it. It's like, okay, sorry, Bernie, right? Everyone's talking about this. It's now weeks later, and for the first time since the whole routine had begun, Bernie is gone because he has an orthodontist appointment. It's the first time he misses lunch. Travis walks into the lunchroom and goes and sits where? In the corner, on the floor. There's a table of ninth grade male athletes eating lunch. It's not pretty. Large sinew and flesh dropping from their mouths and things. A little seventh grade girl walks by too close with a burger and just sucked up into this tractor beam and just gone like in a shot, right? These ninth grade male athletes have open seats at their table. One looks up and says, hey, dudes, isn't that Travis? Ninth grade male athletes in unison across Curtis Junior High School's lunchroom. Travis! Travis looks up. Me, guys? Your seat, man. Travis, your seat, man. Come on, come on. Dude, what's, what's the seat? Come on. He goes over and sits down. End of the day, he's in front of my desk. Stands there. Hi, Travis. Good to see you. Hi, uh, 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 Mr. Shoka. I want to tell you something. Oh, good. Is it about English or social studies? No, no, no. It's important. <laughs> Travis, what do you want to tell me? Minishioka, last, last month I, I asked you about getting a, I, getting a friend. I remember, and I offered to be a friend, and you said no, because teacher... Yeah, Minishioka, yeah. Minishioka, I want you to know I have a friend. I'm glad you have a friend. So, so far, just one. Now, Travis, even one friend is good to have. Uh, so far, just one, but maybe a table full of others, I'm not quite sure. That's okay. Travis, who's your friend? looks at me and he says, Mr. Shioka, Bernie Johnson is my best friend. Turns around, walks out of my classroom. A mound in a little league game in Waco, Texas. A lunchroom at Curtis Junior High School in Tacoma, Washington. Seeing faith. God is revealing God's self all the time. Blessed are those who have not seen me. 
but have come to believe. These are the days of believing, friends, because God is showing God's self to us constantly. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. Learn more about us at villagepres.org. And we invite you to join us again next week.